0: You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2021 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. God's plan for the members of the church. What does God want the church members to do in addition to living good lives? In addition to pay, pray, and obey, <laughs> returning tithes and offerings, etc., Do we, as church members, need to make any changes to our ideas of what the church needs to do for us and what we need to do to help the church in its mission to save lost humanity? Would we be candid enough to admit that it's very easy for us to choose which church we attend or what we do because of some benefit to ourselves? How many of you would admit that maybe even this has been a factor for yourself or your family. And, uh, and so we, we look to the church as uh, supplying our needs, and that's not entirely bad, but we fail to realize as, that as people who are already Seventh-day Adventists, the world needs what we have. We, they, they need what we can give them as benefit. And so then the receiver becomes the giver, and this is where we've failed. Mm-hmm. This is where we've failed. We've become very satisfied with listening every week to messages that often we're already familiar with and uh, maybe preached in a different week way this Sabbath than how it was presented when the previous pastor was there and so forth. And, uh, but there's more for us to do than just simply attend church, go home, have potluck dinner, and go to work and just live good lives, much, much more. We have an essential part as lay people, an essential part to play in the spreading of the three angels' messages worldwide to even planting new churches in areas where we don't currently have one. Yeah, for many years, as, as I think you know by now, I worked in health care, and uh, I was a nurse, registered nurse, did a lot of critical care. Worked in about 13 different hospitals. Uh, everything from Walter Reed Army Medical Center, I was there for about, I don't remember how many years, anyway, on contract, on a contractual basis to them in the ICU. During that time, I took care of a king, Walter Reed, they treat foreign dignitaries. I had a lieutenant colonel who was Soviet, a Russian lieutenant colonel. I had everything from little old ladies to babies to to old retired colonels to uh, people who were just whatever. Now, because I had my job, I was able to connect with people that no minister would ever be able to even meet, right? Likewise, And then I've done other jobs. I've been an electrician apprentice, maintenance mechanic in a wire mill, taught aviation at Southern uh, Adventist, what's called Southern Adventist University now, for a semester. What else have I done? All kinds of different things, you name it. Uh, You know, chief... uh, Anyway, did a little of everything, was never a master at any of it. But in every case, I was working with the church's target audience directly. I knew the people by name. The minister in the area would never meet them. So whose responsibility was it to give them the message of truth? Whose was it? Yours. Thank you. Thank you. It was mine. And if I didn't do that, who was going to do it? If not you, who? You see? And like where I'm staying, I'm staying down here at the uh, Maxfield's Inn. It's, it's a nice hotel in town. And uh, because I'm there, then I need to connect with the staff that work there. So last Sabbath, the ministers and some of the presenters, they gave us a nice potluck lunch and They said, would anyone like to have some take home? I thought it was so delicious. I wanted some. Well, they gave me all of the leftovers. (laughs) It was way more than I could eat. I was eating leftovers even until yesterday, but I still had some more. But the night clerk there, I said, why don't you try some of this? He had some. He said, that was good. Vegan, okay. That was good. And so I'm making friends with the staff and I have an ulterior motive because at the ABC I was able to get a, some copies of Desire of Ages and Great Controversy. <clears throat> you know, we need to think about these things when we attend a seminar or camp meeting or this or that or the other. Never leave home without it. You're witnessing material. You stay in a hotel. You're meeting people that the minister will never meet. You need to think about your life on this earth in a different way. It is this type of thing that helps Jesus return faster. Today we want to talk about how lay people, normal people, regular guys, regular gals can do some stuff. I'm going to tell you what regular people have done. And I think we have a little bit of a ring in the uh, sound system. Maybe I'll step back a little bit. Maybe it'll help it. So anyway, I'm going to go to Spirit of Prophecy. I'm going to tell you some personal experiences. Uh, Lord willing, I'll take you on uh, on the web to a few sites, show you how to do stuff, how you can learn things, how you can get some lay training. You know, I've heard it said over and over, the pastors are supposed to train and equip. But then after they train you and equip you, do they still need to stay with you the whole time and do what they've taught you how to do? It doesn't make good sense. It's not uh, a business doing things that way would go broke quickly, correct? You wouldn't run a business. You wouldn't run a business doing, you know, only without ever seeking new customers in areas where you didn't have stores. How did McDonald's hamburgers get so rich? They set up small restaurants which high school kids could run in every town across the U.S. The Adventist church needs to use the McDonald's hamburgers method of of spreading the message where we have small churches that are easy for lay people to manage and they can get as big as the lay people can manage. If you want it bigger, you got to do it. And put them on every corner in every city and every little spot in the road do you agree with this? Amen. Okay. And you can't expect all the salaried ministers to do that because there's just only so many of them. Right? And you remember our first night, our first afternoon, excuse me. I keep saying night. It's like I'm in an evangelism campaign. We mentioned that there, the people on planet Earth, the total population was seven and about seven and a quarter billion. Okay. And we mentioned that if you stretch them out three feet apart, it would go way past the moon and way beyond, maybe twice as far, I don't know, way out there. And it would take like a hundred days, whatever the number was, and a thousand miles an hour just to pass by and wave at them. You do the math, it's right. And then we, I I told you the number of Seventh-day Adventist ministers, both Ordained and licensed clergy in the entire world in the Adventist church, and you run them three feet apart and it goes about 15 or 20 miles or something like that. What God has asked us to do is humanly impossible. We cannot do it without the power of the Spirit. But when when Acts 20, verse 17 and 28, where Paul is telling the elders from Ephesus, "Feed the flock of God over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. The Holy Ghost who is going to supply the power has expressly stated who He's going to supply the power to and through, and in what situation. So, when we follow those instructions and we send the ministers and, and make a better use of them by going into places like Paul would go where there's no churches, and then the elders of the local churches and the lay members handle that, then the manifold Spirit of God is manifest through all of it. Then the local churches run by the lay people win souls around them, right? And But with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can give you talents and abilities you do not possess now that you don't even know that you have. Because why should the Holy Spirit give you power and ability when you're not able to use it? It's like a waste of talent. <laughs> but when we obey God's will and we do things His way... He can make it possible for us to do things that we cannot do now, never even dreamed we could do now. Do you believe that? You can't deny it. You know it's true, right? <laughs> okay. It just makes sense. So let's look at some quotes now, okay? The Lord's vineyard, this is from Review and Herald, June 25, 1895. The Lord's vineyard is a more extensive one than the present working force is able properly to cultivate. Therefore, it is necessary that everyone should labor to the full extent of his ability. She didn't say that every pastor should labor, although she's inclusive of that. She's talking about you and me as well. Okay. Whoever refuses to do this, ooh, better be careful, dishonors the Lord of the vineyard. And if he continues inactive, the Lord will disown him. I don't like the way that sounds. I think I think I must uh, kind of straighten up and fly right, amen? As the human agent endeavors to labor, God works in him and by him. You're not doing the work, you're just being used by God to do the work because God is working in you and he helps you to reform and he's working through you, okay? When the Lord sees that little real effort for the conversion of souls, is put forth in regions beyond, meaning areas where we don't have churches or people, you know, members, when he sees that golden opportunities are lost and that the spiritual physician, the ministers, is devoting his energy and skill to those who are whole, neglecting the maladies or the illnesses of those who are ready to die, he is not pleased. He's not well pleased. He cannot pronounce the well done upon such work what's the what is the alternative to receiving the well done yeah depart now we're we're talking serious stuff here you don't want to receive the alternative to the well done the lord is he's loving and he's kind but he is strict in some things okay he cannot pronounce the well done upon such work for it is not hastening but hindering, hindering the progress of his cause when rapid advancement is most necessary. Time and energy and means are devoted to those who know the truth instead of being used to enlighten the ignorant. Our churches are being tended as though they were sick lambs by those who should be seeking for the lost sheep. If our people, okay, now we're talking about you and me, would minister to other souls who need their help, they would themselves be ministered unto by the chief shepherd. Do you want Jesus as your pastor or do you want your pastor as your pastor? <laughs> your pastor is probably wonderful, but just not as good as Jesus, trust me. Okay. We, we have wonderful ministers in this conference. Do you believe that? They are worthy of respect. They're doing good jobs. There's nothing really wrong with them. But they're not not as good as the chief shepherd. Please understand that. And thousands would be rejoicing in the fold who are now wandering in the desert. Instead of hovering over our people, let every soul go to work to seek and to save the lost. Let every soul labor, not in visiting among our churches, but in visiting the dark places of the earth where there are no churches. This is kind of a... A thought just kind of hit me. What if instead of looking for a church to go to, looking for a place to move to where there's no church, and because of your efforts, one day there will be a church? Yeah. When I, You remember I told you when I was a kid in Florida? I think I told you they had something called the Dark County movement. The dark, you know, if the county didn't have a church, it was Dark County and it needed light. And they were trying to encourage families, lay people, to move into those counties. Why not? If you're able to make a living and keep your faith strong, why is it necessary for you to settle next to a church when you could go someplace where the people need what you have to offer? just a food for thought. You need to, perhaps you need to pray to the Lord and ask him if that's for you. It might not be for you. I think for some of you it probably would be. Maybe more of you than what I would imagine. In places where the standard of truth has never been lifted, more souls will be converted as a result of the same amount of work than ever before. The Lord Jesus has all power in heaven and earth. He can make it happen. He just wants people who are willing to go along with him. And I just mentioned the Dark County plan. Now let's talk about Dark Counties. You see that building there? You'll never guess the name of the town it's in. It's in Pennsylvania. But it's it's in a little town called Needmore. Okay? My wife and I lived in that county. She was working at the Review and Herald, and I was working sometimes down at in Washington at Walter Reed Army's Hospital or... The Adventist Hospital here, or the another hospital there. I worked at several hospitals at different, you know, there. And there was no, count, there was no church in that county. We were going to church in the next conference, two states away. <laughs> it was only about fifteen or twenty miles, just the way the states are arranged. But we were, we were living up there. Well, there were a number of review employees on there, and they all lived, all of us lived on the same street. And we decided there needed to be a church there. There was no church, therefore, there needed to be. And there was a church for sale in Needmore. Needmore. So you know the name of that church? What was it? All together now, Needmore Seventh-day Adventist Church. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And, uh, And so there was no minister involved in planting it. Just us lay people. That church is still strong today. I talked to the, to the fellow who uh, served, you know, kind of lay pastoring it here not too long ago. And in the past two years, they've baptized like 10 or 15. Now, you want to know what the population of Needmore is? At that time, it was less than 1,000, I think. Might have been 1,200 or something, or a few hundred. The whole county, maybe 20, 30,000. So out in Sticks, in a town called Needmore, the Lord could give more bang for the buck than he can could in places where everyone was already settled. So friends, do you see how that the Holy Spirit can use you as people who've never preached before, never been to, you know, college to, to get your you know religion degree? God can give you stuff you don't already possess. You see? You'll remember that church, need more, won't you? (laughs) You can't forget it. The Bible tells us this gospel, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now, from medical ministry, it says, page 315, upon all who believe. Do you believe? God has placed the burden of raising up churches. If you're a believer, He's placed upon you the burden of raising up churches for the express purpose of educating men and women to use their entrusted t- capabilities for the benefit of the world. Employing the means, <coughs> your pocketbook, He has lent for His glory. He has made human beings His stewards, gladly and generously. They are to use the means in their possession for the advancement of righteousness and truth. They are to employ his entrusted talents in building up his work and enlarging his kingdom. Now I want to show you something else lay people were used by God to do. This is a church in Pennsylvania in a little dirty little coal town where the buildings are covered sometimes some of them with coal dust in a little coal town called Shamokin used to joke and say, no smoking and shmoking. Anyway, but um, my wife and I were there, and uh, we had a core group of seven people, two of which were not Seventh-day Adventists yet. They weren't baptized. So my wife and I, three people, and two who weren't baptized yet. That was our core uh, church planting group. Not too big, is it? So anyway, we needed a place to hold worship services. So I knew some pastors around town of other denominations, a couple of them. They were okay with it, but their congregations weren't. I guess they didn't want any of them advents in there. I don't know. But, but, but uh, so um, one, of the members, one of the guys in our little group, uh, they noticed that the Jewish synagogue wasn't being used every week. It was kind of empty, vacant. And one of the guys knew a man who was a member of the congregation. Went to go see him. His uh, his name was Mr. Lyakowicz. That that town was Polish and, and Italian uh, in its background. Anyway, went to go see him, and he was. Turns out he was the Jewish treasurer for the congregation. He and his, he was about maybe eighty years old. Looked younger because of that good Jewish diet. He and his wife ran a jewelry store in town. So he took him across, you know, to, to see the building put on his yarmulke, went inside and, and, uh, and showed him the building. And then our two fellows that went to go visit with him, they said, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to rent it or do you want to sell it? And by the way, we don't have a lot of money. And Frank, one of the guys, he said, Wes, he said, just make an offer. They didn't make an offer. They, wanted, they went home to pray and just be sure it was God's will. A couple of days later, Mr. Lyakowitz, the Jewish treasurer, called back and he said that they had been praying about it and they were going to make us an offer. You know, you know I'm going to tell you something good, right? $1,000 for the building and everything inside of it to buy. This stone structure, stone faced structure. Frank told us that the front door set would cost 20 grand to buy. So we met with two Jewish attorneys, signed the papers. You know, there was some legal fees, of course, you know, those document fees, whatever. And uh, the building was ours. It was in perfect condition. However, uh, it could use a new boiler. So one of the men in our congregation was a physician and he either loaned or he gave, uh, it was about 20 grand for the new boiler. And so you want to see the rest of it? okay, here you go. That's as you come in the door. It had these two staircases that went upstairs like this, up into a mezzanine level, and then up into the up into the sanctuary. So here you are, they said that door set was worth about twenty grand now, downstairs, of course, that was the fellowship hall. You've got to have potluck in an Adventist church. it's one of the Tw- tw- it's 29th fundamental belief, thou shalt have, <laughs> okay? And being a Jewish synagogue, it had two stoves. You know, they have to have one for the milk and one for the meat. You didn't know that, but... And, of course, this was our first Sabbath, the potluck. The first Sabbath was a high day, as you can well imagine, okay? And there's a little Sabbath school class downstairs. Now we're going up the stairs. Suspense so is building now, Okay? There's the other side. Beautiful window there in the front of that building, isn't it? Now we're on the mezzanine level. I don't know if that's the right term. I'm calling it that. You know, I'm not expert in agriculture. I mean, uh, architectural terms. And now, the sanctuary. And there were, there were 12, 12 windows, six on each side and each with uh, one of the tribes. You see? Yeah. And uh, that's the balcony. Okay, that's what it looks like from above. Downstairs, there's one of the windows that had the you know symbol of the, one of the tribes. Of, and uh, that's the congr- that's the people that came for the first uh, meeting. Now, obviously, there's more than seven people there, but you know this was a big deal, and people come out to help us celebrate the first Sabbath. And I won't tell you the whole story of how it came to be, but I wanted to have a special speaker. Okay? You'll never guess who he was. You know this man? Yeah, Don Schneider. When he was president of the NAD, he was our first Sabbath speaker. Yeah. Yeah. my wife used to work for Marty Schneider when she was with Natty, and she did a lot of graphic design for them. And so I just called their house, and as they would come, and Marty answered, and she says, well, Don and I will have to compare calendars. So they came up. And you know, all I can tell you, it was, it was an incredible story. It shows, it gives confidence to people who have never thought of planting a church. It gives you confidence to know that it can happen and God will bless. She says when we make efforts in places where there's never been uh, the work, God makes greater things happen. You know? And so (laughs) all I know is it was a big event and it was even bigger that Sabbath and that was the first Sabbath. And uh, that church uh, continues to to do well. I uh, spoke with... um, the fellow who serves as a lay pastor now. And I think the last year they baptized maybe 10. Last year or two. So, uh, and it's just a small church. Stuck out in a little tiny town. Where they used to mine coal. A lot of it. And it's a town filled with alcohol. The beer trucks used to take up the traffic as they would deliver to the homes. Sometimes people would have a bar in their homes for the neighborhood. A neighboring town of about 20,000 at one time had 300 bars. So, it, you know, liquor flowed in the street. And uh, and this is the church, uh, just a moment here, where, just a second here. Okay, if the ministers would get out of the way, if they would go forth into new fields, the members would be obliged to bear responsibilities and their capabilities would increase by use. Uh, we've talked about that before. Now, this is what happened, but this is where you know, yesterday it was 2.15 and I, I went ahead and told you a little bit of the story of the people that God had used. This is Robbie and his wife and his aunt and their little five-year-old boy. This is the one that he and his aunt were over at our neighbor's house and they were talking. They were talking Bible topics, you know, and they were talking about the Sadducees. <laughs> now, they're, 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 they, were, they were, you know, they were talking, talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And, uh, and I said, I thought, what are they talking about? I said, the Bible, I said, what are the Sadducees? Right here, Wes, they were talking the Bible, but you see, they were Catholic background. They never really read the Bible, and they had Italian background. So when they saw the word Sadducees, they called them the Sadducees. <laughs> what else would an Italian guy who knows nothing about the Bible call it? And you know, God used that young man to preach. He directed him in the middle of his sermon with the Holy Spirit to change his sermon. And a Lutheran lady who was present that day at potluck told my wife, when Robbie said this, it was as it was meant just for me. Dear friends, today, if God, and I told you this yesterday, but I'm going to repeat it. If God can use a young man who has very little education who calls the Pharisees and Sadducees, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, if he can use him through the power of the Holy Spirit, direct him during his sermon to change it, to touch a woman's life, can you doubt that he can use you similarly, similarly or even better? This is important for us to realize. This shows you what God can do through you. And he didn't have special training. He wasn't trained and equipped. The Lord trained and equipped him. And this is their son Vaughn. We were taking him home one day after church. And Vaughn said on the way home, I think we should go knock go door to door and tell people about Jesus. A five year old. Out of the mouth of babes. Okay. Vaughn is now in the military. He's a big boy now, and like like his like his dad, he's started preaching. Okay. Now I want to share with you something that you can do. Okay. yourselves. I have a friend uh, from one of the African countries. His name's Reginald. Okay. And Reginald was uh, he wasn't ordained. He was hired as a pastor, but he wasn't ordained. And over in South Africa, Indian Ocean Division, the the, uh, pastoral assignments are on the basis of geographic territory. Every inch of of their territory is covered with some pastor. It's not church-based assignments. They're not responsible specifically for a group of churches. They're specifically responsible for the entire area in their geography. So anyway, Reginald, he's got three churches in this territory. It's a vast territory. There's only three churches. And he tried to work with one church, they wouldn't work with him. He tried another one. Finally, one of the churches was willing to work with him on a Bible study plan, like a small groups plan. What he did was he would teach them how to give small group Bible studies. And whatever it was, each of the attendees of the study was somehow able to then give that study to a group of theirs. The method they were using allowed them to do that and then that group could give it to theirs. And by the time he would come around to do a campaign, not only the first group he was working with was ready for baptism, but the groups that these non-Adventists would work with of their friends were ready, and you'd have these waves of people because of the method. The only way that I, I, did, I don't know exactly how I did it, but I do know one way that you can do it. It's through what's, what you would call Bible marking plan. Now what this means, I'm going to show you. Uh, this is like a, An example, Um, you might uh, like a topic, what does the Bible say? And you might, uh, you know, talk about, you know, last time we saw the loving character of God, the logical question then comes, why is so much suffering? And then you have the origin of evil. And well, then what you do in the back of your Bible, you will take, for instance, like uh, you'll see there uh, the origin of evil, it's number three in the line you will see that in the back of your Bible, you will write a code. The number one text, I mean, that's uh, the number one text, or, or excuse me, uh, is, is God, okay? And the number one text for God is your code for what, uh, excuse me, I'm looking at evil, okay? The code is uh, number one, evil. So that's your first text for your uh, discussion on evil, in other words, the origin of evil. The first text you would go to is Revelation 12, verse 7 and 8. Okay? Now when you get to Revelation 12, verse 7 and 8, you write two, evil here, it's two scripture, whatever. And then you write the next text. Then you go to the next text, you write a code for the third text. See like right here, we've wrote number three. Then you would go from this text to number three, so forth and so on. Okay, And uh, so you would do this and keep going through the the text like that. Uh, and I'm going to keep moving on. And then when you get to the end, you would write number three, evil end. Now, doing that, doing that, that way, you have just not only given a Bible study to a small group of like three or four, okay, five, whatever, six, but you've also given them a tool whereby they can share every text and every thought that you gave, even though they've never studied the Bible before. And as they repeat that with their neighbor, their friend, their wife, or anyone else, as long as they're writing it down as they go in their Bible, they can then do the same thing with others. Now, doing things in such a simple way so that people can duplicate what your effort is, can you see how quickly the message of truth can go? And it costs nothing to do that and not a tremendous amount of training. There are some things you can learn about how to work with people. Now, there is a uh, (coughs) a, uh, a pastor in Australia that I'm acquainted with. He used to be conference president in New North South Wales Conference. That's where Avondale is. They invited me there to do a a camp meeting, a seminar kind of like this in the camp meeting. And uh, he had a Bible marking plan that he developed and worked up. And, uh, and it gives instructions on exactly how to do it. It gives you all the text, all the questions, all the everything. And it's downloadable for free. So what you do, what do you do when you want to find something? Go, go, you go on the web and you Google it. Okay? So what you do is you Google in there. You see up there? Justin Lawman Bible Marking. Put that in your Google search. Okay? Then you'll see, oh, it's listed. And it says Bible Marking Guide, Lawman, Adventist Book Center, but it's spelled with a C-E-N-T-R-E, so it's British English, it's the Australian Book and Bible House. But, but, if you scroll down like I have here, you'll notice that there is a PDF of it available for free. The one at the Book and Bible House, he developed a little more, turned it into a book, so he sold it. But this is available for free. You can download it. Just that simple. Now it's an A4 paper format. The the paper uh, paper size there is not eight and a half by eleven. It's something close to that, but it's a different paper size. So if you try to print it as is, you might have some trouble. But you could kind of copy and paste it onto an eight and a half by eleven, and then print it. But anyway, this is what it looks like after you download it. And. Uh, There's one of the studies. uh, I I had planned to uh, have that up for you. Let me see if I can pull that whole thing up real quick um, without upsetting the apple cart here. Uh, Let's just see. Um, I'm not sure if I can. Well, anyway, you've got the idea. This is well worth your time and two minutes to download and have a look at I highly recommend it. And so you yourself can be giving Bible studies that will allow others to give Bible studies that will allow others to give Bible studies. Okay, Now let's uh, kind of move on here. Oh, here's one. Believe the Scriptures. Can you see how it's put together? He's got the text on the left there, number one, so forth, number two, so forth, and the question you would ask to introduce that, uh, that topic when you go to the text, it's all there for you. No, as the Spanish say, no cuesta nada. It's free. Okay. Now, small group participants can repeat it, uh, the study, uh, immediately. Now, small groups. Any of you ever participated in a small group thing like this? Some of you have? I'm going to tell you what. In our house, it wasn't me that started it first, but my, wife, but my daughter and my wife. My daughter let out and they, they started getting these ladies coming in there. And I think a large percentage of them were non-Adventists. And I'd be trying to go to bed and get some sleep. And they'd be out there giggling, having the best time of their life. I'm to tell you what, it, they like some hens cackling. They were great. It was a time when they could bond and be friends. And they would chuckle and they would laugh. In this, and and this study of the Bible, they were drawing close to people personally while they were giving out Bible knowledge. You have to touch people, you have to draw close to them, you have to become their friends. And how many of us even know our neighbors by on a first name basis? You know, you live next door to somebody 20 years and, and, and you feel awkward saying hello or knocking on their door. Unfortunately, this is too common, this type of thing. You may not, that may not apply to you, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Now, if if we were in Central America, it wouldn't happen. They're a different culture. You know, they, they they're they're really open and friendly with everybody. Up here we're more reserved. Some countries are more reserved from that. You go to your German cultures, my goodness, they're very reserved. We live in a German community. It's German and Catholic. I don't know which they're more of, but uh, but the town is pristine, it's clean, it's you know, it's spotless. That's a German culture. And they're very much on time. If you're one minute late, you are late, and you might be reminded of it later. And uh, safe. But even in that German community, the ladies can get together and just giggle and have a good time. And so we guys, we finally started one. And, and best thing ever, best thing ever, a fella just, oh, down the road, I go walking, and I used to see him at the gym, had no clue that he was spiritually minded. There was a lady that I knew that went down to the gym and I asked her, she says, I'm not interested, but John is. Oh. So they used to be boyfriend and girlfriend. So that's how she knew. So I talked to John and he is searching. He is searching. So I started him on amazing facts lessons, okay? And then he starts coming to our group. He's almost through with those lessons and he is soaking up what he's learning in our little group. We're studying not necessarily topics, but we're going through a book of the Bible. Sometimes we get two verses before we quit our study in 45 minutes or to an hour. You know, it's because here a little, there a little, everyone bringing out something. Get a few verses. And so I, 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 I encourage you to do this type of thing. Uh, is it natural for some people? No, but after you start giggling, ladies, it's okay. <laughs> now, I want to tell you something about local leadership. Okay, It is impossible for us to finish God's work, right? Without his help. And when we obey, uh, then he pours out his spirit upon us. And we only have so many salaried pastors. The number's rather few compared to the population of the earth. And as many churches are being planted, lay people will be involved in much of it, they're spread thinner, aren't they? right? And then under the power of the Holy Spirit, then we get explosive, explosive growth. And it won't even be possible for the pastors to even get around to baptize everybody. There was a time in Russia when uh, they had 200 pastors and 198 of them were in jail. I was told that when I was over there and one fellow still remembers the day that his father was taken off to prison and they never saw him again but god's church does not fall with the absence of pastors it continues on but i'm going to tell you something about the adventist church and how it works you need to understand that we in our own church have already set up ways that empowers elders as needed okay everything in the adventist church is is as far as leadership But it it has to do with being an elder. There's two kinds of elders. How many of you remember the day when you called your minister elder? Okay, some of us are of an age where that's common. And now they call him pastor. Well, but the proper title in North America is elder. You've never heard the term pastor of the gospel, have you? You've heard the term minister of the gospel, but not pastor of the gospel. Okay, I'm going all over the place here. But there's two kinds of elders. There's ones that are ordained by the the conference, and they have authority worldwide. They can be appointed to go take care of this, whether there's a church or not, and to any church they can minister, period. They have that kind of range of, of abilities. Then there is the local elder of the church, that local elder of the church can only operate when he's elected, at, you know, on a yearly basis or whatever at that church, okay. And so there's a difference, okay. But did you know? Did you know that already built into our church manual and things like that? Did you know that an elder can serve in more than one church, as long as the other church, if they need an elder, they don't have one, as long as they ask him and they elect him, and the conference president is okay with it, that can happen. So do you see that a good elder, a good man, a trusted man, of sterling character can serve in a district of churches? Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, it's possible. Now, you're not going to see that too often because we have so many pastors and, 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 and too few churches. But as we grow and as the pastors are sent into areas to plant new churches, and as the lay people really get together and they start to work, it will be, then be necessary for us to be able to manage churches in a different way. Okay? It's already built into the system. Did you know that in the Seventh-day Adventist church, it's already been built into the manual that elders can baptize with conference permission? Okay? Yeah. Now, and I'm not going to go into all these other things. Also built into the manual is when a licensed pastor is serving in a church, he has to be elected as a local elder to be able to do certain functions. Because at the local church, if a man does not have ordination as a full minister, then it requires a local elder to serve communion, does it not? So if this man who's not ordained that way, but he's serving as a a licensed pastor, but he's not ordained yet he has to, in order to do those things, he has to be elected as an elder. When I got into ministry, my father-in-law told me, he said, first thing you need to do is you need to get all your churches to elect you as an elder. And there's reasons for that. They're all good reasons, okay? But remember this. You don't need to take that away today. But just know that in our church manual, God in His wisdom has guided the decisions of the General Conference in producing these things so that when we grow and the need is there, the church will not fall apart if there's not enough ministers taking care of the churches. The church will blossom. God loves his church, and he will not leave it without care. He wants us to cooperate and obey. Okay? The biggest thing you need to learn is say, yes, Lord, I'll obey. Here am I, Lord, send me. Here my I, O Lord, to send me. We need to realize these things are exceedingly important. Now, I'm going to tell you also some other things what you can do. If you want the church manual, if you want to read it, I encourage every one of you to read it. You need to know these things. You Google it. <laughs> okay? There you go. Adventist church manual online. And then you select where it says. You can select the PDF if you want, or you can just go to the The site, and here's the site, Seventh-day Adventist Church Manual. That's the official, you know, site, and then you can download it. There's all kinds of things that you can do online. You can go to the Adventist Learning Community and get courses for free on how to do this and how to do that and to serve. There's all kinds of things that you can access yourself and learn by yourself. There's other things. You can get Deacon's Handbook. You can get uh, Elder's Digest, Elder's Handbook. You can get all kinds of resources to learn how to be a better Sabbath school teacher. You can train and equip yourself. What God wants most, what he wants really most, is people who are willing to go and do what he's asking them to do. It's nice if you already possess the qualifications. It's nice if you already have the knowledge and the ability and the experience, but that's not what God treasures the most. What he treasures is the one who is willing and will obey and go and do, because if it takes it, he can fill you in rather quickly with what you need to know. But the person with all the qualifications but is doubting and not willing, you can't get the same thing. God wants a willing heart. So my question to you today is, do you have a willing heart? Do you have a willing heart? How many of you would say, pray for me, I need to have a willing heart. I believe, help thou my unbelief. Right? It's a battle for your heart, isn't it? And the devil doesn't want us to do these things. He really doesn't. Now, we've been here for, this is our third day, isn't it? Okay. And please understand, I don't have all the answers. I don't even know if I even know a few of them. But I'll let you ask a question or two. And uh, and don't be surprised if I tell you I don't know. (laughs) But I'm willing to try with God's help. Do you have any questions or comments about stuff that we've covered thus far, or, or first of all, has everything been pretty clear thus far?: Okay. Do you have any thoughts or questions that — yes, ma'am. If you go into a community that you've not move into a, say, a dark area? Okay.: What is your first goal? Are you looking to establish and gather church building so that you can have an identity? What should be your first goal? Oh, that's a good question. The question was, I'll repeat it for the benefit of the, of the taping. When you first go into an unentered area, an unentered community, what should be your first goal? Should it be to get a building so that you have a visible presence? I would say that should not be your first goal. That That's something that you need as soon as you're able. That should not be your first goal. Your first goal is to connect with the people. Let them know you have their best interests. You know, you can meet you can see people meet people off the cuff in Walmart at the grocery aisle. You know, when I go through to the grocery store, I'll see a mom with with a little little child and say, "Oh, that's cute. little, How old is he?" You know, and you start that way and and you say, "You know, you know how to make them live real long? Just have them eat more like Adam and Eve ate, less out of the barnyard and more out of the garden, and they'll chuckle I say, that's right, you know. And you begin to warm up, you know, and, it, and one thing leads to the next, and then you pray for them right in the aisle, you know, aisle 1A where this is, and then you go your way. What you do is, every, the first thing you do every day is you say, Lord, make the divine connections for me today. Let it be that by the end of this day, one or more persons and or one or more entities could be city government, whatever, is somehow better off, somehow healthier, safer, more in harmony with your will, learning more of you and your ways and truth and godliness and becoming missionaries with us. Okay? because I'm on this earth, let not one day go wasted. Do you think that God is not going to answer that prayer? I've been praying that way literally every day for a number of years now. Not one day can I remember that God did not answer that prayer. When I look back through the day, I can see, oh, oh. I live in a very, uh, our church is in the regional conference, even though we're a white church. Long story there, don't, I won't answer all the things, but God does whatever he has to do to get the job done. But here we are, we're down in this German, white, Catholic community. And I'm going to Walmart and I see a, uh, an African man coming up. Not African American, an African man. I know he's African. I can tell by looking. He's from, he's from Kenya. Okay? Habari in Zurisana. You're from Kenya. <laughs> Kenyans look alike, don't they? Okay? Anyway, so I see him come out of the store and I say, where are you from? And he's got these children, his wife's with the three little children. And and, you know, where we are in that part of Indiana, you know, to see a, a person of color from another country, a foreigner, it is an unusual experience. So I talk to him. You know, i got to welcome him to town or something. And come to find out where he's from. He's from the very town where I preached a campaign a number of years ago. He's not Adventist, he's Baptist. But I say, well, do you know Andrew Maritim? I know him. Do you know Christopher Masoy, president of one of the conferences? I know him. Do you know Paul Kitur? He was a Bible worker for, for me over in the, one of the campaigns. I know him. Have you ever been out to uh, Maxwell Academy? Yes, I have been there. And then I take him around town because he's brand new in town. He's also a registered nurse like me. And he also worked in Somalia for a a humanitarian agency just like me. Now, is that just kind of one of those random things that just sort of happens? Or was that an answer to my prayer? That's a divine moment. And so I take him around, show him a few things, and I take him to a park. We have a lot of parks in Jasper, good places to exercise. And it's like walking distance from his house. I didn't know that. I just thought, well, I'd take him there. Take him there, and he says, oh, you know? And his wife's a nurse. She works at the local Catholic hospital, and he was studying for his exam here because he has to retake his nursing exam. But that's just one example, and that's, that's not an isolated instance of that type of thing. That's, that's probably the most striking and unusual But when you pray that way, ma'am, that should be the first thing you do is to connect with the people. Let them know you love them, you care about them, you have their best interest. You ask for the Lord to send you people that you can help in some way. Oh, I'm going to tell you another thing, too. This 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 is a big one. In your tithes and your offerings, I'm going to go beyond. First of all, tithe on the gross, not the net, but we can save that for another time. But in addition to your tithes and your offerings, take a second tithe, Bible talks about a second tithe with the Israelites, doesn't it? And put it in a separate bank account. Let it build up. And that way when you hear some neighbor or some poor lady, you know, you get some lady that, are, that her husband left her for some sweet young thing. She got three little children and they're about to cut off her lights. You just go down to the power company pay that woman's light bill and you walk out feeling like a king or a queen because you just made her day. You set aside some money whereby you can make a difference for people who have needs. You will win their heart. And you need to live the health message. And you need to be able to share it. That's the right arm of the gospel. When you do these things, this is just examples. You pray and you'll learn more examples. But God will give you power and ability and a way to their heart. And when you've got their heart in your hands... They'll listen to you, right now? Na- yes, sir. Yeah, I don't want to cut your thought off, but when you're oh, okay. Uh, right now, I'm retired from direct patient care because I just feel like I, I don't have the the uh, rapid capacity to work ICU anymore, and uh, I think it's better for some people a little younger than me. But I still enjoy teaching people how to stay out of where I used to work, and I do that in the grocery store. But. I'm about to forget my own thought. Um, Oh my gracious. don't say anything about my age, but (laughs) but anyway. Oh, what was it? It was a real good one. Anyway, what's your thought? Okay, while you're answering my question, you'll think of your answer. Okay, so just along with the question that the gal asked about the the church area, um, how much of like uh, church approval- Oh, that's an excellent question. How much church approval do you need? Well, here's what you do. First of all, you need to let your local church know what you're doing. And it's nice if they kind of say, yes, that, that, we'd like to see you do that. It's also very wise if you communicate with the conference what you're doing. They're responsible for the entire field. So when they know something is going on, they'll kind of keep their eye on it. You don't want to just go out and just do your own thing without any knowledge of the church. And uh, you'll you know do that okay connect so that they know what's going on they can give you help they can direct you they can caution you but do it in cooperation with them always okay so you would you would just call the conference you'd ask to speak to the president or the secretary or whoever you know personal ministries director that would be a good one and but you don't want to neglect for your church where your membership is. To, to know what you're doing, because they are actually in charge of you as a member. I mean, they have responsibility for you. So that's what I would say. Yep. Uh, let's say uh, the area we're going to is like maybe three or four hours from our local church, so we just, we just want to go to an area that doesn't have one. Right. So it's kind of out of our territory now, but you're saying that there's still responsible for us. Even though we're well, there. see, you have a local church membership somewhere. You are their member, Okay that you may have moved out of town someplace, they may never see you for the next 10 years, but you need to communicate with them from time to time because suppose uh, the people who know you, uh, you know, move or something, then they see your name on the books, they've never heard from you, they may drop you as missing. No ill intent. So you always want to remain connected in some way with your local church and with the conference. I mean, your local membership, where your membership is, even if it's four hours away, whatever. So that, it's just everything decently in an order. Was, did that answer that? Uh, yeah. The, uh, so uh, there are different passions. You know, maybe the local church is not on board with the passion of four hours away, which work in that area. Well, you switch your membership to another church then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yes. What would you do differently or the same if you were trying to build up a dwindling church? Oh, okay. Well, and you know, there's a lot of that. Okay, first thing you need to do is get your official membership list from the conference. And you need to, uh, with your elders, your pastor, whatever, visit every person on that list. You'll find people that have been on the books for 25 years and no one's ever visited them. They're not even Adventist anymore, but you might be able to reclaim them. When God sees that you're responsible with the sheep that he has already given you, even though you may not have been responsible as a group in the last 25 years, then he sees he can entrust you with more souls. First thing you do. You're still responsible for them. They're your members, even though you haven't seen them in forever. Or you may have never seen them ever because they may have come on board before you became a member, but that's the first thing you do. We're at 314, and I don't want to run over like I did yesterday. So I don't want to cut off any questions, but I must respect the fact that more are going to come. So would it be okay with you if I just call it quits at 314 and pray with you? (laughs) Let's do that. Father in heaven, thank you that we could be together today. Thank you for what you've taught us. Thank you for everything you've done for us. And, And Lord, we pray that you'll make us effective ministers for you effective people who will reach out to people in unentered areas and even local areas, even around our local church, that there's areas on our neighborhood that have been unentered because we haven't befriended our neighbors. Yes, Lord, make us effective in that. May we win many souls. May we hasten Jesus' coming. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Mm-hmm. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org audio 2021 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.